Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. We're glad you're here with us. Yep, it's great to be with you. And before we dive in, of course, we want to let you know about a free resource called the First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This is a online course you can download right away using the link in the show notes. And this will give you some foundational tools and principles to help you not only rebuild the trust that you've broken, but also heal from broken trust. And there's also resources for the couple to figure out how to navigate these early stages of recovery. So go to the show notes, click on the link, First Steps to Rebuilding Trust, and we'll send it to you right away. Today's topic is really nuanced. Yeah. And sometimes I think it's helpful to break down part of this trust building process into some of the pieces because this is an easy one, I think, to miss. Yeah. Because on the surface, on the surface, it looks helpful and sometimes it can be confusing, but it actually can undermine the process. And here, let me maybe set the stage here for what we're talking about before I get too ahead of myself. One dynamic I see a lot with people that are trying to rebuild trust is they'll play what I would describe more as defense versus offense. They'll, let's say somebody's broken their partner's trust and they acknowledge it, they admit it, they recognize they've got a lot of work to do on themselves, on, you know, healing the relationship that, you know, a lot of the times they're just, you know, they own it, they recognize it needs to happen. But what ends up happening is that they still almost put the burden of rebuilding the trust on the partner they've betrayed Mm -hmm. in the form of, hey, I'll just do whatever you need me to do. It's passive. Mm-hmm. It's coming from a place of, I just don't want to upset you. Yeah. You just drive this thing and mm-hmm. I'll just kind of, you know, take a back seat. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's very passive. It's, it almost has like a powerless kind of victim quality to yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Were you thinking it that? Does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, you say powerless because the victim theoretically is powerless, but that, that can be a, a powerful position. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. Absolutely. I think what's so tricky about it is that on the surface, especially for men. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I'm not being aggressive. I'm not sure. being a jerk. Sure. I'm not fighting you. Or I'm not, I'm not, not resisting doing the things that hurt you. That too, right? Yeah. I've stopped, the, I've stopped the problematic behavior. I'm not hurting you. I'm not. And so there's- So I'm not, I'm not doing all the things that have caused a problem. Correct. Where's my parade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It can be like that. It can be like, I, yeah, I, I'm in this place of not doing things. Which is an important step. Yes. It is an important step, but it is just a step in the process. Correct. That passivity of like, or the not doing things can be taken so far that it extends into, overextends into a place where there should be more proactive and initiative being taken instead of just staying in kind of this passive thing of like, well, I've blown it. I'm going to keep these handcuffs on because I've been busted. And I'm just going to sit here until things get better. Let me know what to do. Which is kind of a- This is why it's nuanced. It's right. It's tricky. It is tricky because it it prioritizes the offender's safety. Yes. Instead of prioritizing the Betray- safety of the person who has been betrayed. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's subtle. It is very subtle. It's kind of tricky because it seems supportive. And even the betrayed partner, I think, can feel like, well, 
they seem so nice. They seem so compliant. They seem so willing. Because it's an important step. Uh-huh. Because the, the, there needs to be a great showing of not doing so many things that have contributed to the harm. Right. Including defensiveness, including, yeah. you know, fighting back and denial and excuses and all the things that perhaps were used as a way to cover up or yeah. misdirect. Yeah. And so when there's this passivity, can, there can be an initial relief that there's no fight anymore. Right. But it that but can there's be also a place no momentum. to get stuck. Right. <laughs> yeah. No momentum. And you need, you want growth if you're going to have, if you're going to rebuild something, you, you need to have the the, the growing piece, which is going to require some some courage and some mm-hmm. some less passivity. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I'll have, and again, most I mostly work with the dynamic where the wife has been betrayed and the husband is. Yeah, that, that's those are most of the couples that come seek me out. But I certainly have worked with the the opposite as well. So just apply it to your own situation. But I've had a lot of wives sit in my office and say things like, "I want you to fight for me. I want you to like," and the guys over there, deer in the headlights, like. What, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not, I'm just in this not doing things mode. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. And, and so I think shifting that mindset from well, stop doing things to start doing things sometimes can feel really confusing and scary. Are, can, is it reasonable just to talk about like some of the contributing factors to, to lead somebody to get stuck in the not doing phase? That's a great point for sure. I would say that a lot of people that are, crossing lines, whether it's through addictive or compulsive behaviors, whether it's through, you know, secrets, those kinds of things, being even being, being frozen in shame, a lot of the times is is a form of dysregulation. Mm-hmm. And by, by its very nature, dysregulation for most people is going to just leave them numb, checked out, passive, okay, avoidant. Okay. And so that can be a way that they've just lived their life sometimes since childhood. So that just feels familiar. Safe, comfortable. Yeah. Right. It can be a very, very strong instinct or reflex as a way to just integrate or sorry, interface with the world. Yeah. It's just the way that they've gone about it and it's, and it works. And some of these kids, some of these people as kids were, you know, they learned this in, in how to survive middle school or their home, Mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of the times it's coming from a very old place. It's coming from a, yeah. a developmental place almost as a, mm-hmm. as a nervous system response to threats. Okay. So I, I don't think that people are very, so much of what happens in this process for most people, they're not sitting around masterminding how they're going to respond. Right. I think we have to have tremendous compassion and understanding that the ways that we show up oftentimes are more reflex than anything. But as adults, we get to look at it and uh-huh. accept one, the consequences of it, but also have the freedom to change it too. Right. Yeah. If we want to have mm-hmm. a, a thriving yeah. relationship, we can do things different. Recovery is a great chance to grow up. Yeah. It just really is. Mm-hmm. And so this passive stance can, you know, this is, this is where it gets tricky because a lot of the times people will defend their passive stance. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys will say things like, what more do you want? <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a threat. I'm not hurting anything. I'm not, you know, they, they, what do you want me to do? And it's without recognizing that there is an absolute need for initiative. So let me give some examples of what Great. that would look like. Okay. I think we've described the passive stance well enough, don't you? Yeah, think? I okay. think so. So the more, so I think the taking initiative could be something even even as as simple as seeking out your own treatment. Oh, for yourself or yes, for the couple. That is an excellent start. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it's the person who's been betrayed that contacts me first. 
I would love to hear, and I do, I have a lot of, I have plenty of guys that have crossed lines or the person who's broken the trust that reaches out to me. Okay. But I get a lot of people who've been betrayed that are doing the heavy lifting in terms of trying to find the therapist, find the program, find the resources, find the help, what books. They're the ones that are motivated. They're dying. They're hurting. But in terms of getting out of that passive place of like, well, I've hurt you, but I'm not going to do anything anymore. And that's going to solve the problem. Uh Uh-huh. What are you going to do to start repairing it? What, What kind of help? I mean, using a medical analogy, it's kind of like, you know, you you accidentally or whatever, on purpose, whatever, hurt your partner, cut them, use sure. whatever medical injury you want. And then you're like, well, I've put it down. I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to do anything. It's like, no, go grab some bandages, find a doctor, uh, yeah. ask some Call questions, get on WebMD, whatever, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> anything. Yeah, exactly. And that sort of urgency to, I want to fix this. I want to, I want to do research. I want to understand the best approaches what's needed here. Let me get started in a process, even if it's not the one we'll stick with. That kind of energy and is- And ownership. Oh yeah. Great word. Great word. Yeah. I've done this. I have a responsibility. Yeah. Like I fully contributed mm-hmm. to the circumstance that we're in. I yeah. can fully contribute to the repairing and the healing of it. So I think there's a lot of shame when lines have been crossed, when there's been a betrayal, that the person who broke the trust feels a lot of shame. They feel embarrassed. They feel humiliated. They they don't want to be seen as a bad person. So a lot of times they pull back and sort of just hunker down in a, in a defensive crouch, hoping things will get better. Yeah. And then they sort of pass that shame, humiliation, embarrassment onto their partner to have to go out and find help. Mm-hmm. And I think that- somebody's got, I mean, <laughs> if the relationship is going to survive, right. somebody help, needs to get, get help. Help has to be sought. But yeah. it, in terms of the long-term trust of the relationship, it's so healthy and so, it's just so good for- there to be a precedent early on for the person who's broken the trust to start engaging in the, in the healing process yeah, and promoting that. Other examples of it would be to initiate, you know, checking in with their partner, seeing how they're doing, mm-hmm. asking good questions, not being afraid to open up that conversation. Yeah. What do you need? How are you feeling? What, what's happening for you? How are you experiencing this or that? Or checking in even with their own behavior, you know, hey, I just want to let you know, this is how I'm doing. I mean, really sticking their neck out to open up and start those conversations, which they might, you know, be nervous about. They might worry that it's going to create tension or mm-hmm. open up wounds, which yeah, it, it might probably not be will. Received well, mm-hmm. but it's not passive. That's right. <laughs> what are some other examples of getting out of that passive role? You know, another another one that I think is really helpful is just an ongoing willingness just to take ownership, just to continue to remind them that this is their responsibility to fix. Like it's, oh, it, it's, it seems like maybe- Ongoing verbal accountability. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it can show up in places like, you know, I, I recognize this is something I need to repair. Like it's, it kind of goes back to the earlier episode we talked about trust and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It's keeping the burden of proof, if you will. It's keeping the burden of responsibility of rebuilding that trust where it belongs, which is I've got to earn this back. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know like, I want you to know, like, I recognize I have a lot of work to do. There's nothing passive about it. They're not just waiting, hoping, crossing their fingers mm-hmm. that the other person will just trust them again. They're making it clear that they know where the responsibility lies. And it really takes the pressure off the betrayed partner Yeah, from having to feel like, well, I've got this burden. I better hurry up and trust. Yeah. It's almost, it's like a continu- likely a continuation of the same patterns that were going on before and allowed the, like just the conditions that, yeah. that supported the betrayal in the first place, like inadvertently, where she does all the emotional heavy lifting, Mm -hmm. all the relational heavy lifting, and he 
It's kind of maybe a little bit somewhere, but mostly nowhere. Yeah. More passive, allowing uh-huh. allowing her to carry that load. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, so for there to be a, a shift in responsibility, a shift in ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just engagement in that process. Because I think a lot of betrayed partners naturally will just you know, because they want to feel better. They they don't want to carry this anymore, they'll, but they'll pick it up and just start walking with it just because it's like something's got to happen because they're injured, they're motivated. Mm-hmm. And when the other person, when the person who's broken the trust, when they take responsibility and it's very clear where that responsibility, like it resides, it really does lift a lot of that pressure. Mm-hmm. And it can be a formal statement like I the examples I gave, but it can also show it behaviorally. We're there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're doing these other things that that we talked about. So those are just a few examples of Mm -hmm. what it can look like to step out of this passive role. If you're listening to this and you're a betrayed partner and you're just like, man, I feel like my partner is so passive. I feel like they're, they've done all this stuff, but I'm the one having to like drag them along or take them to therapy or I'm reading all the books or whatever else. What would you say to a partner who is recognizing that this dynamic is in their relationship? Well, I mean, if you're committed to the relationship and you want the relationship to go somewhere, then it sounds to me like the growth of the relationship is contingent upon him taking a more active role. Right. And his lack of activity is sending a really strong message about where he's at. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's just time for a a conversation about what you're seeing or not seeing. And what that means. The message that that Mm -hmm. sends and what that means for the relationship and how it affects her moving forward together or apart. And if it's not what he wants, he'll be willing to begin engaging. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she she's not in a position to set an ultimatum for his behavior, but she's, I mean, she can just set boundaries up around what she needs to see to, to feel safe and her own behavior right. toward him. So- Right. So she might recognize that she's over-functioning in some areas. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop making the appointments for our counseling together. I might just, I'll just set my own up mm-hmm. or I'm going to read the books that I, I want to read or, you know, I'm not going to try and get us to do these things or there can be this awareness. And I, I love the first response you had, which is recognizing just even what this means for the long-term relationship and just reflecting that honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a boundary, just bringing that up and being able to say, this yeah. is the message I'm getting. Is mm-hmm. that true? Because this yeah. is, is that this where is, you are. Yeah, this is not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think if you see this as coming up or this is a dynamic you're living in, you don't have to just continue in it. No, you don't. I mean, these things are tricky because they're oftentimes just deep seated patterns. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, spouses can incrementally untangle themselves from bossing somebody else's or parenting yeah. somebody and. Spouses can show up. They can begin to incrementally show up and not keep themselves in a position of safety at the expense of their relationship. So, I mean, steps and that's what what really matters in the healing process is a continual willingness to keep taking the steps that move toward healing. Absolutely. I mean, it's a rocky, tumultuous road, Mm -hmm. but each partner being willing to just take a few steps at a time and keep taking a few steps. Right. Because if something is outside of your conscious awareness, you know, you, once you sort of unlock that level, if you will, or have that, uh, that new awareness, then it's time to act on it. Yeah. For both people to be able to say, mm-hmm. oh, this pattern is not, I mean, sometimes when people hear things that they learn on the podcast or, 
in counseling where they, they, they have a new awareness right. of something and there's an invitation in that, in that mm-hmm. to do something different. Mm-hmm. So if you have the awareness before your partner does, it's critical for you to take action on that and, and decide what you're going to do with that. Yeah. Take action on your awareness and maybe give them the opportunity to have the awareness themselves and mm-hmm. take their own action. That's right. Their awareness. Yeah. So it's, it's a process that, you know, is there's all these different moving pieces. There's the, yeah. there's the individual pieces of taking personal responsibility. There's the bringing it up, the relational piece. Hopefully, as we've talked today, we've been able to help you break down maybe a, a piece of your dynamic that for those of you who, who, who relate to this, wrap some words around a dynamic that yeah. perhaps was hard to articulate or- Or wasn't or, feeling right, but you couldn't, yeah. couldn't quite put your finger on it. Yeah. So hopefully this can give you some more words and some more permission, some language to organize your experience and figure out in your own relationship what needs to start shifting. Mm-hmm. There's so many of these kinds of conversations that move this process forward and- Hopefully you'll take initiative in whatever role you're in to break up a pattern that's not working. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Great stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's go ahead and wrap up then. Yeah. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And once again, just remind you that you can download a free course in the show notes. There's a link for the trust building, the first steps to rebuilding trust. And we will send that to you right away. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.